to Living in the Past, where two middle-aged dudes relive their past by enjoying the pop culture of their youth. Carl, are you ready to be the best gamer at Space Paranoids? Hack into income only to get sucked into a video game world where you end up being a godlike figure only to see a computer program be way, way, way cooler than you. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> well done. Well done. <laughs> That's right. We're doing Tron on its 40th anniversary. Uh, you know, in many ways, this film, it's kind of groundbreaking. Uh, John Landis, uh, famous uh filmmaker um said he was influenced by this um the pixar guys said they were influenced by this film it's interesting you get all types of people that say it's had an influence on them um groundbreaking special effects carl mm-hmm. but it didn't get nominated for special effects <laughs> because the academy felt at the time that using computers was and i quote cheating Woo, Unbelievable, I'd, man. I'd have a hard time going to a movie today. <laughs> uh, when did you first see it? When did you first see Tron? It was it's a birthday party after, not at the theater. So it was after it was released. And this is, I don't know what it was. Maybe it's just Alabama. It was the Laserdisc. I don't, you know, everybody, no one seems to yeah. talk about the Laserdisc but me, but it was the RCA device. Um, and so it was a uh, Jeff Reed's birthday party. I think Todd Howell was there. Danny was there, you know, Tommy Wagner, all those guys were there. Wow. Uh, and so Dropping he, the names, man, yeah, I know, man. And so, <laughs> you know, we were all, I think he was turning 13 and, uh, it was a, um, I mean, we were pumped for it. I hadn't seen it, but I had seen, of course, a lot of advertising for it and had wanted to see right. it in the theater. Just not something I, I had a lot of agency in when I was a kid. So that's where I saw it. It was great. Yeah. Laserdisc was sort of the holy grail. Like I, I remember in the, mm, I would have to be careful with this cause I could mm-hmm. be wrong, but I do mm-hmm. remember 87, 88, right around there, a guy mm-hmm. getting like an aliens laser disc, I think. And, mm-hmm. um, everybody losing their mind over it. I never saw it on Laserdisc, but it was mm-hmm. the talk at school. Like you yeah. see, you know, Billy's laser disc, of aliens. So I um, think there were, I think there were two iterations of it. I think that was like, you know, late eighties and nineties. It was like a nicer, super nice. And it was, but that didn't last long because it, I don't know why, but there was this like cheap where you had a plastic, uh, you know, just a plastic cover and you slid out and turn it around. That was the earlier one. And, uh, my friends had those instead of VCRs. Yeah. I have to do, I need to like do a little research on that. Laser just always fascinated me. I guess the DVD ended up killing it. Mm -hmm. Um, but there was something appealing when I was a kid about just the talk. Like there's this thing called laser disc <laughs> and it, it, when you watch a movie, it is way better than your videotape. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. I, my, I was fortunate, man. The summer of 82, I was in the theater pretty consistently. And, mm-hmm. um, my dad took me to see Tron. I, I have very vivid memories. Um, not only of going to see the film and, and really enjoying it, but uh, just the arcade games. Oh, yeah. Um, all the the merchandising that came with it. I was I and my friends, we were plugged into that stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, I have very vivid memories of playing 
you know, uh, a light cycles, like handheld game. Oh, really? uh, my, my, yeah. My friend, Chris Walden had it and we played mm-hmm. that and we would fight over who gets to go. And then of course <laughs> there was the ar- arcade game. That's so famous. Yes. Uh, we talked about it on, on a Patreon episode about video games a while back, mm-hmm. uh, Devin and I, and just how yeah. much, uh, we love that Tron arcade game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a really big deal. Just the movie, of course, being a kid, Carl, I, I didn't know it didn't do that well. Like, I just thought it was something me and my friends talked about. Right. It was in the pop culture for us. It was mm-hmm. something that we conversed about. We loved the video game element, you know, the light cycles especially, but just everything. And um, I I have distinct memories of playing with Frisbees and pretending they were <laughs> discs and yeah. trying to peg each other with them and deflecting. And it was oh, fun, yeah. man fun stuff i so an animator and video game lover steve uh lisberger he conceived of tron back in 78 and his original it's interesting his original like he he was playing he saw pong and the wheels got turning in his mind and he uh, the uh, the early iteration of what tron would be was a sports game like you go in and play like a football video game Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, unfortunately, um, a film that they were, that they were involved in uh, called animal Olympics. It kind of bombed. And yeah. because of that, they liked the idea, but because this kind of sports video game thing, they, they kind of like shelved it. And mm-hmm. what's funny is I wasn't expecting to talk about animal Olympics, <laughs> on this show but carl was that ever because that was on my radar i think it was because it was on a heavy rotation on hbo but Mm -hmm. i loved it i loved the cheetah and the goat running a marathon and then (laughs) yeah so was animal olympics on your radar as something that that you had seen yeah um and i i didn't finish it because i ran out of time but i was watching a little bit of uh a Tron documentary and it, they talked about that and how yeah. and so the thing was the Olympics was such a big thing in the eighties, the beginning of the eighties we had had, you yeah. know, uh, that's the miracle and I, so Lake Placid, you had right. the, you had the boycott, then you had the LA games four years yeah. later. So they were a big deal when we were younger, when we were right. kids. And so that was, I love that, that animated show too. And I think somebody at our church, uh, had HBO and just recorded a bunch of stuff off there. Cause we had like Superman two and different things. Right. We could sort of check right. out and watch and, they would edit out uh, stuff if they it, but Animal Olympics was uh, something I like. I would check out and watch. Uh, I watched it several times. I just remember the yeah. uh, Keith Jackson sounding kind of commentator. It just it was it was funny. Now that said, there was an there was a winter and a summer one. I don't. I remember more summer. I don't think I saw the winter one. Maybe I, I have but, no um, idea. Yeah, I have no they, idea. So there were two, and then one thing on Tron too when they did sort of like a when they sort of did a test animation for it, it was like a little, little short thing. And they showed that it was kind of funny because they ended up, they ended up, they were really more of an artistic type, type of uh, animation studio. And when they came up with this thing, they sort of uh, sold that to like a FM radio station. And it was funny because it was the advertisement was like 94 and a half (laughs) WZOZ. And so this is, you know, before we were doing the 0.5s, with yes. digital so it was funny but it it was That's it didn't funny. look as good but it was it was cool to see the beginnings of it 
Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's interesting just how one of the things I always forget in in it I find it amazingly interesting mm-hmm. is the process of getting a film made and how there are so many other films that are either influencing it happening or not influencing it happening. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just interesting to see how how that plays out. Again, you know, the Pixar guys are, are wildly influenced by, by Tron. Um, when this was made by Disney, I mean, it had like, it had over a thousand special effect shots. 800 of those had you know, had live actors in the shots that were involved Mm -hmm. in the shot. And it was this computer generated environment. It was really cutting edge. They were, I think they, they farmed it out to like three, maybe even four effects houses to pull off everything. They were using, you know, different types of cameras and projectors and uh, to, to make this stuff happen. Mm -hmm. Um, It, it is sort of, a groundbreaking film that I don't hear a lot of people talk about. Um, right. Do you like, is it something, I mean, when the sequel came out about 10 years ago, it, it kind of revived discussion of the 82 Tron and how important it was, mm-hmm. but just in the, it's not really in the zeitgeist. People aren't like, at least when I'm reading like film theory, film criticism, I don't see a lot of talk about Tron. Mm-hmm. Uh, d- do you? I mean, do you see much about it? I don't. I mean, it's almost yeah. like, um, you know, this is computer generated. And so that makes it that's the first interaction, live interaction with, with computer generated. But I almost hear more people right. talk about Roger Rabbit than I do right. Tron. And Roger Rabbit was good, but it was, you know, it's it's more like the old uh, the way of doing things. Right. So, so it, you know, and it came after Tron, too. So if, if it did anything that was like Tron, it, it copied from that. But I, I hear more things about that movie than I do Tron, really. Right. As far as yeah, groundbreaking. Yeah. yeah. Hey, and and uh, you can't knock Roger Rabbit. It was no. pretty, pretty astounding. But you're right. I mean, Tron just kind of gets forgotten about um, unless there's a 40th anniversary or 35 <laughs> anniversary. I remember when the 35th anniversary came out, there was a lot of like you know, think pieces about it, articles about it. And and that was cool. Of course, when the sequel came out, people were talking about it, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I went through and started looking at like, well, what did people think about? Cause it didn't make it. It was, a you can't call it a hit, but it didn't like completely tank, mm-hmm. but they did have to write off some of the budget. Um, so it wasn't a wild success that they hoped it would be. Um, it's this weird IP though. They keep, they may have an animated show. They have a sequel. There was talk of a third film, mm-hmm. um, to be made. Um, but when you go back and look at the reviews, they're mixed. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all over the place. I did find this fascinating. And one of the rarest instances, <laughs> I mean, you, you can maybe say like good fellas, it happened. Um, some of the star Wars movies like empire and a new mm-hmm. hope, it probably happened. But this is one of the rare instances that both Siskel and Ebert gave a movie four stars. Um, mm. I mean, they were saying things like um, Ebert said a dazzling movie from Disney, in which computers have been used to make themselves romantic and glamorous. Here's mm. a technological sound and light show that is sensational and brainy, stylish and fun. Um, you know, 
Ebert and Siskel, you know, Siskel's calling it like it's a trip. It's a terrifically entertaining um, film. It's, it's a da- it dazzles you. It, you know, it, I'm shocked that there were critics that are well thought of by people today mm-hmm. that were gushing over Tron. Is Tron overrated, though? Because I, I went back and rewatched it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's something I've always been familiar with. I've seen it a ton of times, especially when right. I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, as I watched it, I'm like, I can see someone making a very good argument that it's overrated. So my question to you, Carl, is do you think this film is overrated for those that are, like, gushing about it? No, I, I don't think it's overrated at all. Um, I, you know, looking back, I, you know, I, I had watched it when I was younger and then had kind of left, you know, had watched it a whole lot since then. At Disney Plus yeah. came along. It was there. I watched it again. It, and I was surprised how well it held up because right. you could think about, you know, people yeah. complain about, you know, uh, Phantom Menace, you know, about about its CGI, you know, not too long after it had come out. So that's, that, that stuff right. ages poorly. Um, right, I think right. there's a, there's a great assault. Cause you know, this is like the first, so, you know, it's not, it's nowhere in that same neighborhood, but for, you know, I think how they did the faces and the, and the costumes, especially, I think that was a yeah. kind of a genius move to sort of make it help hold up. So inside the computer, inside that uh, world, uh, you know, I, I'm really involved and I'm, I'm into the movie. I will say that some of the stuff that takes place in the real world, some of the lines, the acting, I mean, it's almost like they're just, yeah. let's just hurry up and get in there. You know, there's, there's <laughs> let's some, get into it, the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the best acting or reasons for, for doing some things in that, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, aside from all that, I, I think it is. And I try to get my son who's like 15 to look at it and say, what do you think about that? And he, you know, he's not committal. Yeah. It's fine. You know, so I couldn't tell if he thought, well, that's the cheesiest thing I ever saw. Cause he didn't know anything yeah. before. So right. in my mind, though, I think it holds up. Look, you know how it looks. Yeah, yeah I we're going to talk about light cycles later, but mm-hmm. I watched, you know, I rewatched Tron and then I. I went back and watched select scenes from it. I watched the light cycle sequence from mm-hmm. um, the original 82 and then the, the Tron Legacy one. And I guess it came mm-hmm. out in 2010 or 2011. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But um. Yeah, I mean, those are like kind of the high watermarks. But I was, I, I thought to myself, um, my goodness, 82's Tron light cycle sequence isn't that bad. I mm-hmm. mean, um, maybe it's just the nostalgia, you know, kind of response in me. But like, I was like, it, it gets across what they're wanting in story and it works. And, um, I would even say the the sequel, like it works too. I, I the sequel's good. Like a lot yeah. of people don't like it. I think it's great. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, William Calais, who wrote like the uh, making of Tron book, he was interviewed on the 35th anniversary, and he he was commenting just on the film and how we should think about it. And he said Tron should be remembered as a very daring risky adventure on the part of a few young visionaries and artists they believe that by using computers for animation and visual effects they could change movie making there had not been a movie like it before um the characters or programs actually lived inside of a computerized world the film ultimately changed how we see and experience movies television and even music videos um 
you know, it, they're very like it's just this wildly influential film on people. Mm-hmm. And I would go so far as to say I think you can look at Tron and say technically it's yes, it is great. It is it's an important film. You need to pay attention to it if you're anywhere interested in film history, especially visual effects history. Um, but there is a, a slight attempt at depth to it. Um, John, Jonathan uh, Sarks, who writes for The Ringer in 2020, he wrote, um, there's, you know, there's a streak of Christian theology that runs through Tron. Um, I found this interesting, Carl. He said, uh, mm-hmm. he wrote, programs are created in the image of their users, but a yeah. seemingly impenetrable barrier exists between them. The programs aren't even sure if the users are real. When an evil program takes control of the grid, it purges the religious fanatics who believe in them. Then one day a user, Flynn, becomes a program, lives among them, and ultimately sacrifices himself to restore the relationship between the two. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's a softball kind of thing to see in the film, but at least there's an attempt. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's something's going on. It's more than just cool video game stuff and i would say the sequel was there was some attempts um despite all the technology there's some attempts at some interesting ideas mm-hmm. and um i really appreciate it for that um am i going out on a limb there carl though is it really just dumb with cool special effects no i think that um and we'll we'll talk in the, a little bit more about kind of what it was saying that we probably didn't even understand when we were kids when we were watching it but right as far as the religious aspect i saw that too and just the the story and in the sequel too i mean a lot of it is you know like yeah you got to be careful who you give power to and it's not always necessarily the best thing to go along with what's easiest or what you know the crowd is doing and so right you know whether that be in a religious setting whether it be in a political setting whatever that may be I mean, whatever you, whatever resonates with you, you know, that's a valuable lesson to always sort of remember. And it's something that's easy as much as we in America, especially say we love our freedom. A lot of times we just sort of follow along a crowd without thinking about right, uh, the details, right. too. So I think it, it is it is showing us a lot of that stuff. And like I said, we we didn't, especially as kids, well, it's not something we were paying attention to. But that's why it holds up uh, right. for me now as a 52 year old man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to we're going to start walking through the film and reliving it uh, together. And so we'll be right back after this break. All right, Carl. So the way the film starts and we need to talk a little bit about the beginning. So it starts off in an in an arcade, Mm -hmm. a teenage boy, which, by the way, I miss the arcade. (laughs) <laughs> but in an arcade, a teenage boy plays a video game in which two players race along a virtual grid on illuminated motorcycle-like vehicles called light cycles. Inside the world of the game, the disembodied voice of the master control program, or MCP, speaks to its second command, Sark. As two players named Crom and Ram are held captive in the chambers below, waiting for the MCP to absorb their powers. Uh, meanwhile, in the real world, Software engineer Kevin Flynn uses his home computer to control a virtual avatar or program called Clue, which resembles himself. Um, this is uh, Jeff Bridges uh, to hack into the computer system of his former employer, Incom. Within the computer, Clue navigates the grid in a tank like vehicle and attempts to access a high clearance memory bank. 
However, Clue crashes the tank into a wall and is taken into custody custody by virtual Incom guards. And then the master control program tortures Clue when he refuses to reveal the name of the user that created him. And, and for those of you that are thinking back to Tron and trying to remember that, it's kind of a scary, like when you're a little kid, when mm-hmm. Clue's tortured, it's it's sort of disturbing and he gets derezzed. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I remember thinking when I saw it, Carl, like, whoa, this is, I'm in. This is mysterious mm-hmm. and interesting. It's a little scary, a little dangerous. I like it. Um, I think it's a really good um, opening. I, I don't know if you could have done better to set up the world than what they did here. Mm-hmm. How did the opening work for you? It worked good because it worked well. Uh, you know, part of it too is, you know, we're that person out there playing the video games and we think there's no, there's no right. risk to it. There's no, right. you know, it's just, and then inside the, but then it immediately goes to, no, there are consequences uh, it to the, to the little character, to the programs inside. So it kind of, you know, Get you out of that thinking of it's just a it's just a program that's uh if it gets the resolution then it's no problem to like oh wait a minute this is something we should care about um yeah. and it was also kind of funny how jeff bridges as clue you know he's playing it more robotic which is fine but there's it, right. it's almost comedic he has that scream when he crashes it's like yeah sort of yeah. ridiculous looking so but other than that it's uh it's it does get you in there and say wait a minute we gotta we gotta be sure that uh clue gets what he wants or jeff exactly. bridges does yeah yeah it's it's interesting i there's so many the sound design you know the yes the no (laughs) you know um the sound design and just the 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 visuals right off the bat i i love it um and then you you run into the issue that you run that you mentioned earlier carl just kind Mm -hmm. of the the jumping between the video game world the real world the kind of it's not that it's bad in the real, like the real world stuff, mm. but in comparison, you're like, yeah. get me back into mm-hmm. um, the world of the video game. And so you go from, you know, Clue being destroyed to the real world where you find this guy named Ed Dillinger, who who's basically the, the I guess the CEO of Incom. Um, he arrives at his office by helicopter and he learns that the master control program, the MCP suspects Flynn of using clue to retrieve hidden files. I love that vehicle though, of like how to get files you're in the game. And like, Mm -hmm. I just like that stuff. That's really fun. Yeah. Um, So as a result, Dillinger orders the machine to shut down company wide access to the group seven income file, super nerdy. Mm -hmm. Um, it's it's this database that they they lock people out of because they're worried about Flynn played by Jeff Bridges getting something and you're not quite sure yet what it is um but you then flash and are introduced to um an engineer named Alan Brady who um has a program himself uh the title character Tron who is operating in the the video game world as like almost like a security program. Mm -hmm. And I love that idea too. It's some great ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Alan is like, what's going on? Why can't like, look, I have this independently operated security program. 
he can find out what's going on, like let him use it. But, but basically he's locked out. Um, and he goes, so Alan is now introduced. He goes to his girlfriend. Um, and you basically have this, like, let's figure out what's going on. And there's this worry that in these sequences early on, as you're establishing these characters, there's this kind of fear that the master control program is going to begin thinking independently. Mm-hmm. And there are some hints that that's the reality based on what, what, you know, Dillinger is, is doing and saying and how he's acting. Um, in 1982, it was like super sci-fi, right? Right, like something to have its own, you know, autonomy to think, uh, ar- mm-hmm. you know, artificial intelligence to be completely autonomous. Yeah. And then just about a month ago, we have the Google engineer who's <laughs> basically worrying about the same thing, saying we have an autonomous uh, artificial intelligence here mm-hmm. at Google. Um, it's a little close to home, uh, right? Yeah. I mean, it is, it is sort of scary. That's, that's sort of the fear of, you know, artificial intelligence becoming sentient and yeah. what will they do? You know, cause we are doing all these things for our, to be served and to make our lives better. And right. at, at one point, do we give too much uh, power control over to, right. uh, to, to, uh, to the other. Um, but on that, on that note, it's, it's, what I was talking about earlier, how Tron just really stands out for me for its prescience. It's, it's, it's yeah. predicting things that we are now worried about and wrestle right. with today. And that's why when I watched it as an adult, I was like, wow, they, he, they really saw what was going on. And so I, I kind of want to ask right. you a question based on that, yeah. as far as yeah. like eighties movies that sort of hinted about mm. what would happen in the future, which one do you think got or predicted the future best? Would, would it be, yeah. and it could be a franchise, the whole franchise or just a particular right. movie. But would it be Back to the Future or Terminator Mm. or Blade Runner or Tron? Mm. Ooh. I love all four of those. And I think they all bring something to the table. They're all. Mm -hmm. I mean, Tron is probably of those four, the the lesser of the classics, but it's still considered a classic. Mm -hmm. Um, Back to the Future 2. Mm-hmm. is uh delightful in its predictions <laughs> um <laughs> everything from jaws um yeah. sequels to you know other come forward in the world but, series exactly right mm-hmm. um i think though terminator is the one that we're most fearful of and mm-hmm. at times seems to be um the most um a nightmare kind of scenario that that even to today doesn't feel that far fetched, right? Uh, which is is I can't believe I'm saying that because when I watched <laughs> it as a kid, I was like, I "This is complete silliness." Um, I don't know, Carl. I would probably have to say, um, some of the ideas in Tron, mm-hmm. um, seem to connect with a lot of the things we're talking about today, right? But there's this thing in the back of my mind that that Terminator is the not the time travel stuff, but like. But like the um, uh, AI is taking over and yeah, and running that, running our yeah. lives, not necessarily trying to overthrow and kill us, but maybe, but at least you know, right. sort of running us, like right. the MCU was at the beginning. Right. Yeah, I think exactly. I think, I think that too. I, I think Notron has that aspect to it. They don't, you know, it's just it's it's right there. It's not as right. developed as in Terminator, but it's right there. But there's just a lot of stuff in there about how much, you know, how much today do we actually 
you know, not, well, not literally, but how much do we actually live in the computer nowadays? How much of your life is right. run by, you know, like right. whether it be paying bills, checking, whatever, you know, that's what parts of your life shopping now. Um, yeah. You know, there's, you know, now we have the metaverse coming around or now we're going to virtually actually right. kind of go into a computer world, a digital world. Right. And then right. even, you know, Elon Musk and people are working on a way to transmit your consciousness into digital form. So that way right. people could, I guess, live forever or, you know, you know, have robotic versions of themselves. So there's a lot in, and there's even like, there's a little part that I probably, you know, I just barely noticed cause it's just seconds. It's like when they're going outside the, uh, the tower and they're like who are these weirdos and it's like well those are the um what were they called they called the uh the inop oh, inoperative yeah. data pushers and i'm like what does that yeah, even mean yeah. is that like yeah. you know all these ads and stuff we get on the internet now and spam yeah. and stuff yeah and then <laughs> and then jeff bridges a couple just like a scene later walks by like everybody's dressed in these regular clothes you know for the digital world and all of a sudden you see these two like highly sexualized looking characters yeah. and i'm like are they talking about how how that's what we're going to do when we get you know, right. the, you know, we didn't even have the Internet then, but, you know, that's what people end up using, whatever the new technology is for. It ends up being right. for uh, things that are maybe not as useful as what we intended. So I thought a lot, right. just those two little things, not even being a big part of the movie, made me say somebody's really thinking about what's going to happen as we right. get more and more into because this is this is before, like, the home computer was a normal thing. Yeah, and so, it was. It was a novelty at that point. Like if someone mm -hmm. had it, it was like, whoa, check this out. I'll never have one. And then, yeah. you know, but it's really interesting just in the last 10 years, you know, just talking about how we use computers and how involved it is, mm -hmm. it is in our lives. I, I, here's an example of how I've changed. I, I've always been a voracious reader. I still read, but mm -hmm. In around 2012, 2013, 2014, right in there, I noticed a change where I would read maybe 15 to 20 books a year easily. Um, it's now down to like four or five a year. Like, mm. and so much of my time is spent instead of reading a book book, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, looking at a screen or doing, you know, something in the digital world, it's eating up my time. Mm -hmm. To the point where I've, I've like really been thinking about like, what changes do I need to make to reclaim some of the things that I love that I don't have anymore? But I really do believe like technology is rewiring how we think and do things. And mm -hmm. I often ask myself just the internal question, just like, is this good for us? And should I do something about it? And if so, what does that look like? Uh, I don't know. Is that something that ever comes up on your radar at all do you think about that kind of stuff or am i just well i am weird but am i being <laughs> super weird no i it's it's definitely you know i don't think i was as much different from my parents generation as i am from my kids generation you know yeah. and we're yeah. kind of in that middle where we could go either way yeah but right i think right. there is a big chasm between like you know and my kids are kind of like they don't care about leaving the house and we don't have like a nice house with yeah. a super theater or anything. Though. But it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, what was that? There was a Bruce Willis movie. It wasn't that great, but it was like that everybody, people didn't even go out in the real world anymore. They sent out like, like a Android body that they sort of went out in and, uh, yeah. and that did all the interaction for them. And it's, it's yeah. not to that level, but a lot of people, you know, a lot of people can work from home. Like I said, like I've already said, shop from home. There's so much stuff you can right. just do without leaving your house. And in some ways that's good. You know, you think about all the, 
traffic right. you might re- you know not have to sit in going to work and pollution right. stuff it might cut right. down on. But then it's like, but then if that's all you do, you're missing out on, you know, experiences yes. in, yeah. in the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's actually something that my wife and I have talked a lot about. Like, for example, today, our groceries were delivered to us. It was mm-hmm. wonderful. Um, but we've been talking just about like what our kids are getting older and we're starting to have those conversations like, well, what's the next this next phase in our marriage look like? What are some things we want to do? And a lot of the things we want to do are, are tied in with experiences, not necessarily in our home, but right. out in the world. We want to experience things. We want to experience Yellowstone or Yosemite. We want to like take a train through the Canadian Rockies or go up to Alaska. You know, we, we, we want these experiences that seem to be just rare in the lives of, of people around us, including ourselves. So it's interesting that Tron is playing in the sandbox of some of these ideas mm-hmm. um, of how our lives are becoming digitized. And in the movie, it, it, it's what happens. He literally <laughs> becomes digitized. And so um, Laura, who um, is talking to Alan, Alan has Tron, the program Tron. They go to Flynn's arcade to, to basically to warn Flynn um that Dillinger knows that he's been hacking into the system mm-hmm. and he's like, listen, I, de- you know, I developed all these games. Dillinger stole them. He took credit. I just want to prove that I am the one that created these help me get in there and hack into it. And earlier in the film, there was sort of this, like they were showing how they were digitizing organic matter and replicating it in the digital world. And of course, famously, um, they break in Flynn hacks in and the MCP strikes him with this experimental laser, which disassembles and absorbs his molecular structure. There's nothing worse than being disassembled on a molecular level. Right. And so I love the sequence. Um, I was totally on board with the film. If I wasn't at this point, I, as a kid, mm-hmm. dude, this mm freaked me out but i loved it um what about you yeah i mean and they used I, this was like the publicity uh shots too you know right. um more than you know they had of course how the tron characters look but they they should him frozen back in that chair is like stuck in my mind i mean he's the like, boot he's frozen and then being erased it's like oh my god that freaked that freak, yeah freaked me out too i don't think uh dr mccoy would have liked it much either he's not good on big on <laughs> transporting so uh, you know, he just yeah. kind of raises that question too. Is that really you right. when you come back or there too? So, um, yeah, it is scary. That, that it's a, it screws with your mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, so Flynn goes in, he goes into the computer grid, um, and he's rebuilt as this avatar and he's of course illuminated like everyone else. And basically the MCP orders Sark, who's the, the avatar Dillinger like to, um, put, Flynn through the games and so um here we go they they have um sort of I, I can't remember the name of the game um but it's like they have the ball in that like kind mm-hmm. of highlight I don't even know what it, yeah and so they're uh you know Flynn plays that he survives um he bumps into Tron which is kind of cool mm-hmm. and then it's Tron Ram and Flynn going to the light cycle maze mm-hmm. and dude, 
this is when the movie takes off. Um, I think the light cycles are the most memorable, iconic thing from Tron. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, when they're in that, you know, and I guess after, especially after we've seen the beginning, like you say, that this is a, there are real uh, consequences here. You know that that light cycle is kind of tense. It's like you're, I'm, yeah. I'm up against this light ribbon, and I gotta, I gotta get ahead of that other, right. you know, and, and the way the you know, they show the cycle from the outside and, and, and the stuff right. is reflecting in the window. I mean, just it's a, it's really an intense, even though it's just computer generated in the early stages right. of that, it brings you in. And, and yeah, it's it's really cool. So I had to agree with that. I mean, I liked some of the exterior stuff wasn't always the best as far as even right. at that time. But uh, like when you got inside the tanks also, that was another part uh, that, yeah. you know, they're spinning that stuff around. They're looking. I liked how that looked. Uh, I was really well, one thing I was disappointed in was the grid bugs because after we talk about yeah. how the game was so influential, that's a that's a right. quarter quarter of the game, and it's just it like it's, it's a passing reference of hey, hope hope we don't hope we don't run into a bug, and they show one. Yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, we get some action with the bug. Come on, I know, I know. I wonder if it was a planned sequence to be filmed that was was scrapped. I think it was actually, and I, yeah. I remember my research, but they just. I could budget only went budget only went so far mm -hmm. i it is a huge part of the game and you know it's this sequence though that it's like yeah this is the when we're playing the video game in the arcade like we're this is where it comes from this sequence here mm -hmm. as they're playing in the movie in the light cycles flynn um in tron spot and io tower and input output tower in the distance and basically Tron is like, I can get in contact with my user if we can get there. So they start making their way um, before they get there. One of the silliest scenes is when they drink from the pool mm -hmm. of pure liquid energy, Carl. <laughs> yeah. Which it's like Gatorade, I guess. All right. Which rejuvenates their power levels. And, um, you know, mm -hmm. they, they got the, they got juiced, I guess. And yeah. uh I always got a kick out of that. You know, just a few a few thoughts. One mm. was um the the light cycles were so much fun. Um I do remember like as they're you know, he's like, "Okay, I think he says, you know, this is blue leader to blue bikes or yeah. whatever, you yeah. know." And I'm like, "Oh, this is all Star Wars." You know, <laughs> I remember thinking that um, yeah. the influence of Star Wars is is pretty great on I know. On I films. was I was bummed that Gold Leader it's like, well, the blues are all blue. Yeah. You say I'm gold leader, but there's yeah. a red and an orange bike too, you know. So yeah, you know, yeah, that's right. It's it was, like is gold. <laughs> they get the they get the leftovers to the to the conscripted yeah. programs. Yeah, it's it's good stuff though. Um, I you know I do need some of that that liquid energy in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess it could be called cocaine, but I you know <laughs> I, I I wouldn't mind having having some of it. I always got a kick out of it. I dude. Yeah. I'm a little bit younger than you, and yeah. so I, a few things that I probably interacted with Tron a little bit differently than you. Mm -hmm. So here's an embarrassing moment of the show. <laughs> um, I one when I played video games after I saw Tron, I thought I was like really killing like programs. <laughs> I really believe that. that you are for you know yeah. yeah. So I, I I really struggled through 
being a murderer. Um, <laughs> the other the other thing is like I, when we would play with our frisbees. I remember mm. filling up my frisbee with water and drinking it and thinking I was a, a, a badass at that point. <laughs> um, so a little bit younger uh, than you, yeah. I don't think I don't think o- older Big Brother Carl would be doing that kind of stuff, but. Yeah. It just shows you, like, as much as I was playing Star Wars stuff, I was playing Tron too. You know, mm-hmm. it was, it was part of the uh, part of the culture for me and my friends. Um, dude, when they're running, I, mm-hmm. you know, on the light cycles and they're being chased, um, I love the design of Tron. Mm-hmm. I, I love the recognizers. Um, for you, what mm-hmm. is the thing that? What are some of the things that's like? when it comes to design, it could be visual costume, any, anything, right. What are some of the things that really jump out to you that you're like, they're memorable or that you really appreciate? Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of funny that the recognizer was one of my least favorite parts in the really? original. Now oh, in, wow. in legacy, they, 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 yes. came, they were awesome in legacy, but, um, but I, I think what the, the smart thing they did was the black and white faces in the, in the costumes um yeah. and this get i don't know i mean it made it seem uh, you know i don't know this it's just like the everything about the 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 aesthetic was new and digital and almost like the human right. part of it was the uh least uh resonant and least something you know uh comment comment worthier so yeah. i think that helped I, you know something about having a just a regular color image of someone's face there probably wouldn't work as well especially since everything was on black uh, background with backlit uh, that right. that really and when you talk about the energy drink and I did like how as they drank it you saw the the blue elements of their suit sort of light right. up more um, yeah. that and when they was like when the tank crashes or when they when they would the guards would sort of poke you with their little spears I then had that sort of sphere yeah. you know uh, it's almost a more of a white light with a little bit of of the spectrum right. of the rainbow in there so those elements I always I think they did a fantastic job with those. And that's what stands yeah. out to me. There's so many design choices that Tron, the filmmakers make mm-hmm. in Tron that are not just good. They're, they're iconic. Um, you know, everything from the data disc, um, mm-hmm. the, the Frisbee to the light cycles <laughs> to even as we get, as we start talking about the, 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 the ending of the last act of the film, because Ram get Ram Tron Flynn. They're on the run. Ram mm-hmm. gets killed. Right. Um. Uh, he derezzes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's Flynn and Tron. Um. Flynn catches up, uh, and then he basically finds. Um. I guess it's it's, um. Cindy Morgan's character. Um. Mm-hmm. Yuri and uh, that's what. Yeah, Yuri, and it's. I'm trying to think. Her human character, I think, is like Doctor. I think it's uh, yeah. Laura. Yeah, Laura. Yeah. Um, Baines is her name. Yeah. So you know, he reconnects with her. You have the Solar Sailor, mm-hmm. um, which was a really cool thing where they're mm-hmm. on their way, and um, Sark on his big ship, he crashes into the Sailor to cause an energy surge that threatens to eject, eject them from the computer. Um, as Yori begins to disintegrate, here's Flynn's kind of godlike moment. He transfers power to Saber. He severely weakens himself in the process. And Tron is cast overboard. You think he's dead, but he's not. Mm-hmm. Um, inside Sark's shuttle, uh, Yori and Flynn find uh, Dumont, 
He's trapped in a holding cell with other imprisoned programs. Um, Dumont's like an avatar for one of the founders of Incom. Right. And so there, it just kind of it builds and builds. I, I would say as a kid, this mm-hmm. was not that interesting to me. Right. After all the light cycles and stuff. Right. As I've gotten older, I, I don't mind it. I think mm-hmm. it's totally fine. It makes sense. It works. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, you get to the point at the end of the film where um, Tron takes a shot at trying to destroy the MCP. Um, and the MCP kind of possesses Sark um, mm-hmm. to, to, to stop him. He becomes this giant. Um, but Flynn, of course... He recognizes what needs to be done. He sacrifices himself to give Tron a moment to destroy the MCP program. Before that, though, he he has an epic like splitting the head open of Sark, which is awesome. All that like <laughs> digital goo kind of yep. pours out of his, his brain. I love that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really fun and interesting. You know, you get to the end of the movie. Everyone wins. Flynn is now... You know, he finds out that he is the designer of all these games. He becomes basically the the new CEO. I don't know how that works, but yeah. basically he he becomes the head of the company. Mm-hmm. And um, Dillinger is in is in horrible defeat um, and fade to black. Um, right. I the third act is probably the weakest of the of the of the film. Mm-hmm. I think the first two acts are wonderful mm-hmm. all the way up through the, the light cycles and on the run. I think the third act is probably the weakest, but it doesn't, I don't necessarily think it's bad. What do you think? I mean, I, I kind of like the third, I think maybe yeah. more than the first. Um, the, okay. Yeah. The middle is, yeah. With those light cycles and everything, very strong um, as far as keeping your attention. But, uh, and again, maybe it's when I was older, I probably was bored with it more when I was younger, but just, because in the in all that is where you start seeing all these things that you're like, wow, that you know that's stuff that really has kind of come to pass. So, um, right, and and they're kind of working their way through this digital world, so you see more of it too. But I I enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I remember leaving the theater wanting to go see it again immediately. Mm-hmm. Like it, it really made an impact and I was at the right age and the summer of 82 was so epic, but I did, I think I did see it a second time that summer mm-hmm. um, and, and just love the film. Um, it is something that I wonder if it, if it was handled differently, there would be more sequels, but I'm pretty content with Tron legacy yeah. that came out. And I guess 2010, I, I haven't, yeah, looked it was that 2010. Yeah. I looked yeah. it up while you were talking. Um, real quick, let's talk a little bit about Tron Legacy because mm. again, Jeff Bridges reprises his role as Flynn. Um, I think it is one of the most underrated films of the last twenty years. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think the design, I think the the story is interesting, but the I don't think it's as bad as critics were saying. Mm-hmm. I think it's, in fact, I think it's it's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I need to. I've been revisiting it in chunks, mm-hmm. but I need to sit down and just rewatch the whole thing. Yeah, where do you land on Tron Legacy? Is it the sequel that Tron needed, or should they just have left it in 1982? Uh, it's. I've told you this before. It is difficult to. Uh, really enjoy something for the when you've watched it for the first time and you have expectations, right. you know, right, right, right. like the Matrix. I had no expectations. I loved it the first time. Tron Legacy. Right. I was probably left the theater a little disappointed in the story, right. 
you know, I watched I watched it uh, last night this morning. It is the story is better than the original Tron as far yeah. as story goes. You know, there's more thought into yeah, it. Yeah. And the design is incredible. It's, but, you know, that's it's just beautiful to watch if it wasn't a great yeah. story. You know, right. you know, the de-resing is more, you know, yeah. when people just try to ch- yeah. yeah, it's more it's, visceral. Uh, yes. And then it's sort of backwards. It's like the people turn into chunks of blocks. And yet if a, if a, if a vehicle's damage, it seems like it's spewing like plasma or lava, just all this liquidy yeah. stuff spewing out. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, it's that part's well done and you could watch it just for that. But I think the story is actually better too. I just think a lot of people, I don't know what they expected or wanted, but it didn't come out that way. And if you, I went back and I think I, I really enjoyed it too. The second time, um, yeah. you know, the, you know, one thing we haven't talked about is the score. David W. Collins did a spe- did a whole uh, thing about how the original Tron uh, score is 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 well done, and it's it a lot is. more orchest- orchestral and over the top in the Legacy. So a lot of yeah. the Legacy is it's a really it's a really good movie. I, I agree with you too. But I yeah. will I'll admit I was first time I saw it I was kind of like yeah you know yeah I I would say I had a similar reaction. I again I don't know what role nostalgia played. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw it on IMAX screen and, mm-hmm. uh, I, I was wowed by the visuals mm-hmm. and then just left. And I was like, well, it just kind of left me unsatisfied. And, you know, I didn't touch it for five, at least five years. Mm-hmm. And then it was on TV and I watched it again. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Like maybe I need to reassess this. And then watching it in bits and pieces just these mm-hmm. last these last several days i'm like i need to completely reassess it um and it's interesting how time can either make you not like a movie more or make mm-hmm. you like it more and, right. and and definitely time has made me appreciate tron legacy more than when i saw it in the theater sound design visuals mm-hmm of Tron legacy are some of the best I've seen in the last 15 years. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. So if you're, if you're listening and you're like, well, maybe I should give another shot to, to Tron legacy. I would encourage you to do it. It's, it's, you know, it's worth a couple hours of your time. If you're, if you like Tron, mm-hmm. uh, if you don't like Tron, don't watch it. But <laughs> I, I do think it's, it's, uh, it's good stuff. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to do, there can be only one. There can be only one. All right, Carl, what's down to it? What's the single best thing? Character, it can be a best character, best moment, scene, line, theme, song, etc. What's the best thing about the movie Tron? Hmm. I mean, there can be only one, but I, you know, <laughs> and I, you know, so I'll kind of go to uh, maybe a secondary one, but I did mention the soundtrack and it's like, cause it was also a big part of the video game too. When you hear the, you know, do, 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 right. you know, right. you're like, ah, I'm winning, you know, I'm, I'm about to go up. Yeah. So, you know, it, 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 it was, I don't know. It's, I'm not music. I don't know a lot about music, but it, it really, right. it, it was this kind of bridge between electronic and, you know, orchestral sounds right. and, um, and then things that when things weren't going well, it was just it, it wasn't it sounded discordant or whatever. But um, right, right. it really, you know, it includes you into what was going on. But it was actually, you know, well done, too. And like I said, it, it being a part of the game, it's just kind of ingrained in my memory, too. So you can't help but take good yeah, thoughts about I mean, it. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it would be easy if you do there can be only one and just say the visuals in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the visual design and the concept of the light cycles, it has a element of cool. Mm-hmm. It's probably the most exciting sequence in the in the movie. Right. Um, and so I think most people would probably say light cycles is their the best thing about it. Mm-hmm. I think some of the concepts make Tron really cool, like going into the video game. I mean, we've seen that over and over and over again. Right. Um. In in film, I mean, you could even even the ideas in the Matrix, like you see it in Tron. So, mm-hmm. um, all that aside, I'm going to be very simple and very <laughs> basic and lowest common denominator. But for me, uh, the, there can be only one is light cycles. That's the the best thing of the movie. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm gonna. I I need to go back. I haven't seen the animated show, Carl, and mm-hmm. you were talking about it before. I mean, I've watched a few episodes here and there when it was on, right? And I think it came on after the movie Tron Legacy came out. I think so, so too. Um, and you, we were talking before we started. We pressed record, and mm-hmm. and you like it. I like you it. Think it. It's okay. Yeah, it's not. You know, I like Rebels and things from uh, Star Wars area. That yeah. I like. You know, the last yeah. last Airbender Avatar. Those are really good. Those are. Yeah. Those are good, if, you know, even if you don't have children, watch those. Um, right. You know, it it carries on more of this aesthetic. I mean, uh, you know, probably the biggest thing about Tron is just the how it looks and what they're doing with it. And so they kind of yeah. it's almost like a com- combination of Aeon Flux with stuff you saw in right. Tron Legacy. Um, right. And I That's think cool. they were building to something, you know, sometimes it takes a while. A first right. season of something, you got to lay some groundwork, get some characters in there. You could see where they were maybe building something that would be pretty interesting. Uh, and I right. think, you know, with, I guess, how the original movie was received, and I don't know how the a- animation was done, um, yeah. that it, it, I guess they just didn't think it was worth doing. But like Elijah Wood is the main character. You got uh, Mandy Moore. You yeah. got a lot of people you recognize. It was well done. Uh, wow. It was good. I'm not going to say it was the best thing ever, but it was good. Yeah. Yeah, I might I might just poke around. Mm-hmm. Um I wonder if it's on Disney Plus if Disney has That's where I watched it. That out. Okay. Okay. So it's on Disney Plus. I didn't okay. know about it before then. Yeah. Um so we got Poltergeist as our next episode. And then if you're interested in our Patreon um like website and 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 supporting the show, we have a few things. We just did a uh kind of Carl and I did a little chit chat about the Obi-Wan series on Disney Plus. We figured we could somehow make it connected to our pop culture of our youth um, with Obi-Wan and New Hope. Uh, so we just did, we talked about that Disney Plus show and if it was any good or if it wasn't any good uh, and why. And so that's on our Patreon right now. We have I've been dragging my feet, but we have an Independence Day commentary <laughs> at some point in this month. I, I don't want to do it. I'll be honest. I hate that movie, but we're going to do it. Um, we also have, it's the 40th anniversary of Chuck Norris's classic forced vengeance, the movie that no one has seen, but it's so much fun. So we're going to be doing a commentary on forced vengeance, uh, coming up this month too. And, and another discussion, uh, we're back to our normal schedule every other week for the main show. My move is complete. The studio in my house is set up. It's where I'm recording from today. So we're, we're going to get back on on a good schedule. And so uh, thanks so much for listening and keep an eye out for Poltergeist in a couple weeks. Thanks so much.